welcome to the Play World Love Learning Be Free podcast. I'm Kelly, mummy to three home educated children who are currently 11, 7 and 3. I also run an outdoor self-directed learning community for home educated children. I'm passionate about home education, the importance of play and following our own interests and intrinsic motivations. On this podcast, I speak to many home educating parents to get a good insight into the many different educational approaches and philosophies from radical unschoolers to world schoolers to recreating the classroom at home and following a strict curriculum and timetable. I also talk a lot about the importance of play and give you tips on how you can create more opportunities for you and your children to play well, love learning and be free. You could also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Play World Love Learning Be Free. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you like this kind of content, and then you'll be notified when a new episode is released. Today I have a conversation with Samantha, who is a primary school teacher. I haven't really seen much in the media about how teachers are coping with all of the extra pressures with remote learning and also still being physically present in the classroom for key worker and vulnerable children. They're basically doubling their workload. We also talk about how parents can support their children's learning at home and not try to recreate school at home. We also talk about what impact COVID is having on the mental health of teachers and children. Hello, yeah, my name's Samantha. So I'm 31 years old and I am a qualified primary school teacher. I'm currently in my fifth year of teaching. So, um, you know, I I know the ropes now. Um, I've also got two children of my own. One is 13 and one is eight. So I've got one at secondary, one at primary. So I feel like I've kind of got my fingers in all those pies and a little bit of all round knowledge. So hopefully this podcast today will enlighten you to school life from lots of different aspects. Lovely, thank you. And what year do you teach currently? Uh, currently in year one, uh, previously have taught in reception in year two, so mainly lower end of the school. Nice, okay. So how are you doing in general with the whole pandemic and everything? What's what's going on in a primary school teacher's life at the moment? Well, at this moment in time, I can tell you that I am pretty exhausted, as you can imagine. Uh, trying to juggle work and home along with most of the population right now to be honest um I'm quite emotionally drained too if I'm honest because besides the job I too like millions of others am missing my family missing being able to socialize and that's obviously a really important part of our mental well-being as human beings so it's taking all of those factors into consideration it's almost like being on a bit of a roller coaster at the moment with ups and downs so yeah no two days are the same (laughs) bit of a roller coaster of emotions so you say no two days are the same what does a typical day look like for you I can honestly say that I haven't been in bed before 12 o'clock in over two weeks and anyone that knows me will know that that is a massive deal I'm a kind of in your pajamas in bed at nine o'clock kind of girl so this is, yeah, it's taken its toll on me now and I'm starting to feel rather exhausted. Need to put myself back on that top of that priority list, um, to be honest. Yeah, so 
hours a day that I'm working. I mean, I don't count because it's too many, but yeah, obviously a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you're heading towards burnout by the sounds of things. Oh, definitely. And I think for me, um, Boris announcing that schools were closing that Monday night was kind of, I was on, on the edge, if I'm honest, that evening was really difficult for me. I had a really emotional night thinking that's it. Another change. Like, how does this affect me at home? How does it affect me at work? And I think, it's, you know, that, that was a really awful thing to do to parents and schools on, on the day, you know, the night before children are due back, eight o'clock in the evening. Um, so as you can imagine, I didn't sleep very much that night. But yeah, um, last week was tough. And I spent the whole day on Saturday just trying to really get my head around everything and have a, have a downtime, yeah. So at the moment, I would say... Like a typical day for me starts when the alarm goes off at half six in the morning. Um, yes, sometimes I do snooze it a couple of times because you have those extra late nights. So you need a few catch up minutes in the morning. I am human. Um, but generally get to work about eight o'clock after I've dropped my youngest off to the childbinder. This gives me about maybe half an hour in the morning before the children arrive. Um, then once the children are in, it's really full on from nine till three. I'm getting around about half an hour lunch at the moment, um, taking it in turns with a, one member of support staff. Obviously, the whole bubble system at school is quite tight right now. So we've got lots of restrictions in place. Life is quite different. Um, but I've been really strict with myself. Like, I think it's really important to make sure I've got half an hour every day where I sit down, have that kind of brain break and literally prioritise myself because you need to remember that if you are not in the right frame of mind and you're not ready, then you're actually no good to those children. So although some people will say, oh, no, I can't stop. I, I've got to keep going. Actually, no, because you're no good to anybody in that kind of state. So that's been a kind of real highlight for me um, in my working day. But also, I'm really restricted with childcare. So my child's school, actually, even though I am a key worker, doesn't have a place for him because there are already too many key workers there. Um, so I didn't get my form back in time because I'm working stupid hours every day. Um, therefore, I'm paying for my child to go to a childminder full time so that I can go to work full time and look after my lovely year one class of 13 children, which is actually quite a lot of children in at the moment. So I'm doing a full time job there. I'm doing a full time job remote learning and I'm doing a, a, well, a poor job of parenting right now because I feel like I don't see my children very much. But it is the way it is at the moment. And how would you say this is affecting your personal life? So how are you juggling everything? You know, you're a parent, you're a teacher, you're at home, you've got a house to look after. How are you juggling everything? Well, I think juggling is the key word, actually. Um, I am lucky to have a supportive partner like who's got a full-time job and he's financially able to provide for us too. So that is that's something we're not having to worry about, the kind of financial side right now, which is good. And, and to be honest with you, my children are just amazing. They are so proud of me achieving my teacher status, as you, as you like, that they just try really hard to do the best they can to make life easy for me and help me. And, you know, they, they love making resources for me and testing them out and things like that. So we kind of sh share the load uh, and make it fun at home. Um, I, do, I do get quite stressed especially pressures of life like I'm constantly feel like I'm like busy or I'm rushing everything um spare time is literally non-existent right now but 
I'm lucky that my oldest son is really independent and he is confident, you know, he accesses all his remote learning on his own and he he makes his own lunch and stuff. Like I'm just really lucky that he he takes that all on and, and almost wants that role and look at me, I can do it myself. And, and you know, I, I, I oh, attempting to put washing on and things like that. I mean, step too far for me, but <laughs> the thoughts there. Um, but he also has got his own phone. He's got his own social media. So from a socialising point of view for him, he kind of is managing really well, which means that I don't have to worry about him. My youngest one, probably not so much, not interested in remote learning, wants to be doing it with his friends in the classroom. So very different attitude. Um, he's more concerned about the day he's going to be able to go back to go on the climbing frame at school with his best friends, you know. So we're we're kind of in very different places as people at home, but we are taking each day as it comes. We, we're just managing day to day, getting things done that are priority for that day. I mean, when we all realized we had no underwear, that washing was a priority that day, you know? So, <laughs> so we're thinking about real life here. It's, you know, it's, it's not all rainbows and, you know, and smiles and sunshine. There are, there are lots of struggles along the way. Of course. Yeah, you're, um, yeah, you're doing a lot, aren't you? So you've got the children in your classroom and then you've obviously got the remote learning as well. So you are like super, super busy. Um, I'm running two jobs right now. I think I can safely say two, two jobs that I'm paid for <laughs> plus my mummy job. So three jobs. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, isn't it? How would you say um, your school is handling the situation right now? Do you feel really supported by them? Yeah, so this is a really tough question because I know that there is so much work being done behind the scenes that we don't even know about as teachers because our senior leadership team don't want to put further pressures on their staff. Like They know we're bogged down. They know we've got families and it's really hard. They are being put in a really hard situation because the government are dictating and then we're obviously complaining about our own well-being and workload so you know it's really really difficult to answer that but I don't feel like there is a one single school in the country at the moment that feels like they're in control of this situation I mean the government legislation's being updated I would say on a nearly daily basis at the moment so you just think you're getting somewhere and there you go another change has happened so I personally feel that my workload is far too high but senior leadership team know that they're trying their very best to reduce that for us and it's not happening right now I mean I I get paid for 32 and a half hours a week as a teacher for 39 weeks of the year now <laughs> if I actually did that I'd be in as many hours as the children that attended school and that would be it job done go home in reality it's it's not like that um but it, my school have put lots of measures in place. They've worked really hard to ensure that we are feeling supported and protected in a, in a health way as well, because it's not all about workload. It's actually about people are scared about catching coronavirus. And you've got to add that into the mix of your work life, your home life. Like some of our staff are vulnerable staff that have been told by the government they have to go back to work. So they're going to have very different worries to me, who's just trying to keep my house running, you know, so it's it's really tough because they are supporting staff in different ways to meet their needs just as we as teachers would do with the children in our class um I think I am very lucky to be at a school that 
that are open and listening and all ears. So we work through problems together rather than being dictated to. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it's really hard because we just don't have the time, the resources or the energy to provide what the government's dictating to us. So, yeah, that's a tough question. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so let's move on to the next question, which is, has there been any positive outcomes of the situation in your school? Yeah, so I do think, like going back right back to March 2020, when the first period of school closures was there, there's been a a lot to reflect on since then. Um, And I'd say it's allowed us to think about what we're actually doing and why. Like we're thinking about the why more now, which is really good. It means we've been able to reduce our work. Like, like actually for me, from September to Christmas has been one of the best times of teaching for me because we've really reflected on why we're doing things. If it's not for the children and it's not for the staff, it doesn't get done, which means that we are not doing tick box exercises anymore for Ofsted. And I know that's a big move. A lot of schools will still be in a position where they're saying they've got to do this because Ofsted might come. Actually, we're a school that's in a really fortunate position that we're, we've got senior leadership team taking us through this whole process of moving away from Ofsted. Actually, Ofsted visit you for six hours and they make a judgment on your school. We're living it and breathing it every day that actually we need to be in charge of it. So it's definitely made us question the focus of tasks, more effective ways of reaching goals. For example, if it can be done by an email instead of a staff meeting, we'll do that moving lots of our tasks online because we want to reduce paper. We're very conscious about looking after the environment as a school. So, I mean, we've taken lots of little things on board, which means as a whole, it's changed in quite a positive way. Yes, so these are things we'll stick with lifelong after COVID is long gone and we've forgotten about it. (laughs) It's ancient history one day. Yeah, maybe these things were, you maybe would not have looked at them and changed them in the way you have because of the pandemic. So... So this is good. And also, okay. just, just to add on that point, I was just going to say that it's actually really built our relationships with our parents because it almost feels like we're like one big community now, like a, like a big family, all relying on one another. Whereas in previous times, it would just kind of be school home, school home, school home. And you'd have the odd parent that wanted that extra interaction. But now nearly all of them do. I would say 90% of the parents in my class really want that interaction with me as a teacher not just knowing what their children are doing, but how I am, how I'm coping, how my family is, you know, we're, we're all looking out for one another. So that's been something that, that I've really, you know, enjoyed about the job is making those relationships with the parents. Yeah, that's great that you've, you've created that, that the kind of community has kind of come out of it. And, you know, the saying is that it takes a village to raise a child. So um, it makes sense that you know, there's a nice big community going on and everyone's rallying around for each other. And yeah, so that's, that's good, isn't it? Um, as a primary school teacher, what's been the most challenging aspect of the pandemic? Well, for me personally, I think it's all the uncertainty. I, I just think that there's some sort of change or update every day that you've never got your feet firmly on the ground. So it's hard to kind of get a hold of anything and do anything well. Um, I just don't work well in this way and I thrive on routine and structure and there's just such a lack of it at the moment I really like to be organized like obviously I'm busy anyway without this pandemic life is busy and I like to keep my time is so precious 
I like to really utilize every moment that I've got and I kind of almost like to plan my plan my week out and that's just impossible at the moment so for me to adapt to that has caused me quite a lot of stress actually I, I feel like stress is my main emotion <laughs> right now um and I'd say that the amount of pressure on teachers right now to meet the needs of every child from a screen inside their living room I mean we are in effect failing before we've even started so yeah that's that's tough that's been a, a real challenge yeah you said you're feeling like really stressed out at the moment how how else do you think how's your well-being being affected by this so generally I feel like I'm a really I always like to feel like I'm a really strong person and I almost like I'm the one at work that everyone comes to to talk to and I'm the one that everybody comes to when they're feeling down and they need a little pick-me-up or they need to laugh or make a joke or whatever and I just feel like I'm not being that person anymore I can't pinpoint particular things that I'm doing but I can see that I'm changing so clearly my well-being isn't where I want it to be right now and, and my my headspace isn't I'm not my normal self and you know people are saying are you all right uh, you know haven't seen you today and we're very isolated at school so there's just me and one other staff member in a bubble we don't see any other staff members in the day so I think that in itself impacts your well-being you don't have those general chats in the staff room you don't have your kind of laughs at the end of the day about comments that children have made that have just made you smile and cheered you up we're just not sharing any of those enjoyable moments at school anymore so that's impacting massively on my well-being and I'm just you know it's, it's hard to not let it turn into a hatred for the job because we are we are facing a pandemic you have to keep reminding yourself of that and I just need to keep trying really hard to be strong work every day and, and know what I'm doing it for I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it so those children in my class can have, you know, the best time during this pandemic that they could possibly have. And it makes me feel good to know that I'm giving that to them. So, yeah, that keeps me going. Good, good. You've got to have something to kind of hold on to <laughs> and see yeah. you through it. So how do you think uh, the other teachers, the staff working alongside you, how do you think their well-being is right now? Um, well, I think it's very mixed right now. So we've got some staff worried for their health. Others are struggling with childcare of their own and others are not managing their workload very well. We are all, for sure, very, very, very tired emotionally and physically. And actually, I can't think of one staff member that is actually feeling happy and content in their job right now. Uh, this isn't just true to my school. I've got lots of teacher friends in other schools in primary, all primary age. And their views seem to be the same across the board. So it's actually quite saddening to say that out loud. It, it makes me feel a bit emotional, actually, because, you're, you know, we all try and pick each other up. But if everyone's down, who does that job? You know, it's really tough. But I feel like there's a lot of anger from education staff at the moment aimed at the government and the decisions they're making. And we, I mean, we're all part of unions. We understand what they've been battling for for teachers. But closing schools meant closing schools. And right now, the situation's worse than it was before because we have 50% in school, 50% out of school. And we have to teach both groups of children in a very different way. So I think although the, gov although the government's decisions and the way that the unions are trying to fight for us, it hasn't necessarily worked in our favour. Yeah, so we're all very mixed right now. Yeah, everyone's feeling it. 
not in a happy place <laughs> yeah and how long lasting do you feel the impact of covid's going to have on the well-being of the children um so yeah this is a tricky one actually because i mean well-being means so many different things to so many different people that it's it's hard to pinpoint it but i feel like the impact on well-being completely outweighs that of academics so although i'm a teacher in a school follow the school curriculum actually that isn't at the forefront of my mind um, it's it's different every teacher is different and will prioritize something different but for me being with those younger age group of children their well-being's up you know up there as priority if that's not happening learning's not happening so i've been thinking about this a lot since last march both from a teacher point of view and a parent point of view because obviously i can see it from both angles and i would say that on the whole the younger the child the bigger the impact is how i feel about it um so much of their lives at that young age like you're talking maybe between the ages of 3 and 8 i would say are quite vital and focused around play and interaction with their peers and all of a sudden overnight we've lost all those you know those natural learning opportunities they've all just been snatched away from them they haven't got that school anymore um we're now living life through a screen and children are starting to show signs of anxiety lacking self confidence they're losing those vital independent skills like building resilience and i just think there's there's always a focus on well-being at the moment and it seems to be the buzzword but what people don't seem to realize is that well-being means something different to different people so we can't fix this with a tick tick box exercise from the government you know i don't think we'll ever be able to have a true knowledge of the impact of covid on children's well-being but all we can do is be aware that there will be children affected in different ways and then manage this as best we can when schools are eventually allowed to reopen safely yeah yeah what um what kind of advice would you give to parents then who are who do have their children at home with them what advice would you give to those parents how would you um kind of help them with their kids learning well i funny enough i've having been having conversations with parents in the class that i teach in and lots of them are putting so much pressure on themselves to be a teacher and i think actually that's not your role your role is a parent so i'm trying to trying to remind them not to put pressure on themselves to be all singing all dancing every day you know life isn't like that it's it's more important that you relax and you have fun and then the learning will come naturally after that and if it doesn't then there's always tomorrow you know i think every opportunity is a learning opportunity whether you sit there with a book and a pencil whether you're playing in the garden every opportunity is a learning opportunity and i think parents don't always see that they think if something's not written down on a piece of paper they haven't done their job properly that day and so it's just you know it's really taking that whole concept of school and and kind of making them see that it's more than just a piece of paper and a pencil but it's also important that the children see the parents having good days and bad days because if they always see their mom or their dad really happy they then start to think that they've got to feel that way all the time too which then will add pressure onto their own mental health and well-being so we've got to stop that we've got to put that in place and stop that before it happens they're young enough now to be able to express their emotions in different ways and i think it's okay if you feel sad all the time it is sad i can't see nanny and granddad i can't give them a cuddle so we don't just say you know it's all right we'll see him another day talk about it address it you know really focus on those emotions and feelings Pe- message to my parents this week was be yourself and do your best <laughs> 
Absolutely. And so what would you say to those parents who are trying to recreate school at home? Oh, I just think it's impossible. It's an impossible task. So don't even bother. It's a whole new way of learning. It's a whole new setup for them. When they go to school, they have their own desk. They have a school uniform. It's very formal. It's the way, you know, it's routine, it's structure. And some children love that. At home, they haven't got that structure. They haven't got that same kind of ownership of of an exercise book and things like that. So learning isn't going to look the same. I think parents need to remind themselves that these are unprecedented times. You know, you can't you can't be expected to be a teacher overnight. Just like I didn't train to be a teacher overnight. You know, seven years in training, parents can't be expected to to mirror a teacher role at home overnight. So, yeah. <laughs> So if we were to just let our children play, for example, rather than kind of sitting them down with the workbooks and the textbooks and the everything else that we're trying to kind of force onto them at the moment, not only is that going to cause a disconnect between the parent and the child, you know, there's going to be meltdowns from, from the parent and the child, you know. So if we just allowed our children to play, then they're just naturally going to learn anyway. Yeah, so it's interesting because... I'm a teacher, I'm setting work, I'm feeling like I'm spending lots of time setting work. So yeah, I would like them to have a good go at the things I'm offering them, because otherwise my job is absolutely useless and non-existent. But as a parent, I'm hardly doing anything with my children that's being set, because I know what's important to them. And if they say to me that they had read a whole instruction manual for how to turn on their, their new headset that they've got for Christmas, I don't need to read a comprehension on a piece of paper, because I know that they've actually been reading already that day. So it's having the confidence in yourself to be able to say that it's not the actual task that's being set. It's the kind of skill that goes alongside it. So if they're meeting that in another way, then fantastic, you know, and I've tried to explain that to my parents uh, of my class as well, that they are actually five and six years old. You know, they don't need to sit down with a tech, with a tick box list like we are trying to do for the government right now. Um, they are free to do what they want. And I've actually incorporated a session every day for my children for play as part of my remote learning. Because if I give it that time in the day, then it is valued. And if I value it, parents will value it. And it gives them that kind of permission that it's, it's okay. You know, we want to encourage that. So I think there's lots of parents that really want to do things by the book think, and really want to do the, everything that's set every day because... That's what they're being asked to do. And they think that that's what makes them a good parent. That's what they're doing the best for their child. And why would they think any different? So that's my job to educate them and make them realise that in the classroom, we play through nearly every lesson that, that we do. And every lesson that I teach includes games and toys and real life situations, which is what, exactly what I want their remote learning experience to be like. Do you think that the teachers should be prioritize for the vaccine do you think teachers oh. should be prioritized for the vaccine yeah. big question absolutely. right <laughs> absolutely with a very big exclamation mark <laughs> I don't think teachers should ever have been deemed safe to work in school without PPE my, may I add we we're not required to wear PPE under the government advice without having the vaccine we are exposed we're at risk and we are now the most vulnerable the rest of the world's got into lockdown. We're the only people still open and still working. Yet, I believe there are nine categories for the vaccine in the order that it's going to be given. 
not one of those categories mentions a teacher. So not only are we not near the top of the list, we're not on the list. I mean, I think it's absolutely appalling. I think it was a really bad decision on the government's part, but it's too late now. We're open, we're there, we're living it every day. I just think too little, too late. I just think even if they do a U-turn now, they've missed their chance and they've absolutely let down every member of staff in education. So I feel quite strongly on that one, as you can probably tell by the tone in my voice. <laughs> wow. No. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. You're passionate about it. And I agree. Like, why are we why are we not offering the vaccines to, to teachers on the front line? They're mixing with children of key workers who could potentially be bringing the virus home. They say that a lot of children are asystematic. So surely it would make sense for teachers to have the vaccine, you know? And as you say, like the parents of the children that I have in are key workers. They are nurses, midwives, police officers. I mean, I've, I've got 13 children in my class, of five or six of which actually work in central London. So they are really, you know, putting themselves at risk every day. I mean, I'm proud of myself that I'm looking after those children so their parents can go and do these amazing jobs. But at the same time, I want to look after myself and my family. So it puts you in a very awkward situation. And I, I just feel like the government have totally let us down on that one. I'm really disappointed in them, actually. Absolutely. And what would you say now? What would you say to Boris if, if he was on this podcast with us? I'm sure you'd have a few words for him. I would like to ask Boris to come and spend a month in a real school, being hands-on and seeing firsthand what it's like in a state-funded school, not a private school, where you can pick and choose your rules, or an academy school where you don't have to follow the curriculum and the guidelines, in a state-funded school. Because I believe that to be able to dictate and to lead, you need to have, been, have lived and breathed it for yourself. Otherwise, you lose all respect from me, if, in, on, in all honesty. Yeah. And also, just for the record, he should have had a haircut before he shut hairdressers. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you on that one, definitely. Now, this is a home education podcast. It's only right for me to ask you this question because I do have a lot of friends who were primary school teachers, even secondary school teachers, who have taken their children out of school to home educate them. Is home education something you would ever consider for your own children? So personally, I haven't ever considered it. Um, and it's never been an option for me. I just think that we're really lucky in the area that we live in. We are surrounded by outstanding schools that are fully inclusive. You know, my oldest child, he is borderline dyslexic. He finds school life really difficult um, in, in terms of keeping up. And he has never thrived more than at the school he's at now. So I, I feel like I've not had any negative um, experiences with both my children's schools during this time now this is the first time now where they haven't had a place for my youngest to attend primary this is the first time I've now really had a had an issue as such so it's never been something that's crossed my mind but I do have I do have friends and family that do home educate their children and can completely see the benefits too so I mean it's not for me because I do love my job I don't think I would be able to give that up and I know my children love their school so for me to break that now just wouldn't work but they they're missing school so much right now and and I'm although it's difficult I'm loving my job when I just put myself in my bubble and look at my job and who I'm doing it for I love it so for me right now no but absolutely can see the benefits and 
the benefits of play and freedom. And I try and bring that into my classroom. So I think it's, it's having the knowledge and understanding of it all to make the best of both situations. So if you're home educating, you know all of that knowledge of school and bring it with it. And if you're at school, you bring all of that home education knowledge. So completely 50-50 on the fence on that one. Yeah. Wow, I love that. Your children in your school are very lucky to have a teacher who has such a focus on play as well as the academic side of things. And I know we were talking before about you try and incorporate the national curriculum um, through play. Everything is kind of done through play in your classroom, right? So, uh, so kudos to you. You're doing an amazing job. I do you think I am one of, I am, I'm in the minority for sure. And and it's very um, Victorian in its ways for people to just do this tick box exercise because it is the easiest way. So don't get me wrong, I've had to put up fights. I've had to put up my case against SLT. I've had to persuade other members of staff that this is the way forward. And do you know, surely, slowly but surely, it's, it's sneaking through and they're seeing all the benefits. And, you know, five years ago when I started doing this job, that class leaving for secondary school was the best class we've ever had in there. And I personally believe it's because they were given that extra year to learn through play and given those extra opportunities at a young age. So I will continue to be passionate about it and spread my word, <laughs> however crazy I sound. <laughs> Samantha, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast with us today. I know that your time is so, so precious at the moment. So we will really, really appreciate it. You've given us a really good insight into the daily life of a primary school teacher at the moment. So once again, thank you for coming on the show and I hope you take care of yourself. Thank you for having me. It's been so nice to give a kind of point of view from a school that's going through it and, you know, really very much in it at the moment and seeing things from different points of view. It's always really good to chat about that. So thank you for having me on. I've really loved it.